and give him praise, give him glory, give him honor for who he is. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, put those hands together. Give God praise. Give God glory. And give God honor. Good morning, Hopewell. Amen. Let's try this again. Good morning, Hopewell. Amen. What a blessing it is to be alive and well and in the land of the living. Another day that the Lord has blessed us. Another day that the Lord has kept us to be able to see a day that we will never see again. But by his grace and mercy, you and I are here to see it. Not that we've been so good. Not that we've been so kind. Not that we've dotted every I and crossed every T. It's because God has been guiding and he's God all by himself and he's allowed us faithful enough enough to allow us to see a brand new day. Come on, put those hands together again give God praise glory and honor if we have any first-time guests that's a worshiper with us this morning just wave at me real quick any first-time guests amen I see one any other first-time guests just wave your hands come on hope well help me praise God for all of our first-time guests Listen, we're so glad that you have come to the well today. You're not here by coincidence, by accident. You're here. Your steps have been ordered by the man, Jesus Christ, to be here with us today. And we're so glad that you're here. Our ushers gave you a connections card. If you could just fill it out and place it in the offering basket during offertory time, that's our point of contact to be able to stay in contact with you. And personally, thank you again for coming and being with us today. Help me praise God again for all of our first-time guests. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, stand with me and go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Amen. Exodus chapter 3. Amen. If if you're looking for it, just keep going forward past Genesis. Amen. Just keep going. Amen. Once you get to the end of Genesis, just go right. Turn right. Amen. And you'll be right there in the book of Exodus. Amen. In fact, turn right three times. Amen. To get to chapter three. And you'll be in good shape. Exodus chapter three, verses 13 through 14 to all of our elders and ministers, to our mothers, our deacons. Amen. To all of God's people. Again, it is just a pleasure and an honor to be together again. God has been so grateful, so faithful um, that he brought us through a whole seven days to come back together again. And we give God praise and glory for that. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. When you have it, say amen. If you don't, just say, wait on me, Pastor, wait on me. Hold up, wait a minute. Amen. I'll wait for you just for a little bit. Amen. I'll wait for you. Exodus chapter 3, 13 through 14. And it reads as this. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. Father, bless our time as we go into your word and find out more about who you are, God. I pray that you would disrupt some things in our lives this morning, Father, um, so that we can be able to see you smack dab in the middle of it, not just so that we can be able to feel better or have confirmation, Father, but so that we will know who you are and the fullness of who you are. 
And it's in the strong name of Jesus we pray and all of God's people say, amen. That you're taking your seat. If you haven't already, say something to your neighbor or your neighbors around you. If you didn't ride the church with them, just say something to them. Give them a compliment, a high five, something. Give them a hug. Do something. Let them know that you are glad. They got the best seat in the house. Amen. Sitting next to you this morning. How do you rebound when you have messed up real bad? How do you find the strength to start all over again when you've messed up, not because of something that the enemy has got you caught in, but it was something that you were actively involved in yourself? How do you rebound when this was not just a private failure, but a public one? And everybody around you have seen you messed up. Is out there on Instagram. Is out there on Snapchat. You thought you got the video down early, but somebody made a reel out of it and kept it on their phones. And now the whole world knows about it. How do you come back after a mistake, a failure, a mess up, a mishap? How do you find the strength and the grace? To still believe that in the midst of your mess ups, that God still has a plan and purpose for your life. How do you reconcile the fact that even though I have messed up real big, and I mean real, 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 real big, God still desires to use me as a part of his plan in the earth. Y'all, that's the amazing thing about God, that God has a way of helping us to be helping us to be able to rebound from some of our biggest failures our biggest mistakes and still allowing us to be able to know that though you have messed up you are not defined by your mistake and that I still have a plan and purpose for your life maybe there's nobody in the room this morning that has ever messed up before but hope that I'm in a room with some folks that have messed up before and you have received the grace and the mercy of God where God meets you in the midst of your mess ups and he reminds you that he still has a plan and purpose for your life and that he still desires to use you to fulfill his purpose here on the earth. We're in good company this morning because here in Exodus chapter 3 we find Moses smack dab in the middle of insecurities. We find Moses smack dab in the middle of trying to reconcile how his life is now and what his life could have been. We know the story of Moses, this young boy that has grown up privileged in the house of Pharaoh, that one day as he comes out, even though he was born a Hebrew, Hebrew, he grew up around the Egyptians, and one day he came out of the house and he saw people mistreating his own kind, and he did not realize that he was defending his own kind, but he took the joker out of here because he saw somebody mistreating his people and doing them wrong. Somebody sees him, and now he's on the run for his life. This run for his life does not just transition into him just going, and it's over in a year. Forty years now, 40 years later, we find Moses on the backside of the desert, tending the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro, living a mediocre life because of his mess-ups. 
trying to reconcile the fact how can God yet still use me how can I be able to stay where I am where I have took another person's life how can I move forward in my life he finds himself 40 years later making a living for Jephro making him a rich man tending to his sheep 40 years he's been doing the same old same old wake up go to Dunkin Donuts Get his coffee, medium hot coffee, seven creams, three sugars, and an apple fritter. He goes on back to the house. He gets out there with the sheep. He starts tending to the sheep, feeding the sheep, making sure they have all that they need. He comes home to his wife. She has dinner. He plays with the kids. He goes to bed, and he wake up day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, the same old, same old, every day. One day, something happens that transforms the life of Moses. And not just transforms the life of Moses, but it changes the trajectory of an entire nation because of one encounter that Moses has with God. Let me remind you something, the saints of God, that the purpose and plan that God has for your life is not just all about you. I know it sounds real good just to be able to name it and to claim it and to grab it and to slap it and just think that it's all about you and all that God wants to do in your life. But let me help us out to understand something, that the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives goes beyond just us, but it includes other people. It includes other families. It includes other villages that God wants to be able to make this thing inclusive and bring about a greater purpose for his glory. Please don't get the big head and think that the plans that God has for your life are so great. They are great. They are awesome. They are amazing. But the plans that God has for your life includes impacting the lives of other people as well. And one moment with God can transform your life and the lives of others. Get it? If you will allow him to do it. Moses has a life altering moment. Moses has a meeting with his destiny that changes his entire life forever. Story picks up in first part of chapter three. That Moses is just minding his own business. Tending to the flock. On the backside of the desert. When all of a sudden something arrests his attention. He sees something that he has never seen before. Verse 2 says, there was an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. Hold up. Wait a minute, Reverend. What did you just say? Moses' attention is grabbed as he is tending to the sheep on the backside of the desert. I better watch myself while I tip over. Hey, man, let me back up a little bit. Hey, man, that would be embarrassing all over social media world. The pastor tips over and falls and folks will make memes about me and laugh about me because I fell and I'm bald headed too. Amen. We're not going to let that happen today. Praise God. Amen. So Moses is there on the backside of the desert and he sees a bush that's engulfed in flames but the bush is not burning down. He looks. Probably 
got to take a double check and say, wait a minute, did they put a shot or something in my coffee this morning? Am I not looking at a bush that is engulfed in flames, but it's not burning all the way down? The Bible says that he stops what he's doing. And he goes over to the bush. And when he gets to the bush, God begins to talk to him and says, Moses, Moses, he calls his name twice. Why does God call his name twice? Because whenever you see in scripture, when God repeats something twice, he's letting us know that what I'm about to say is very important. And I have to make sure that I have your attention because what I'm about to say to you, what I'm about to show you can transform your entire life. So it is, it is befitting to you that you hear what I have to say and turn aside to everything else. Gets to this burning bush. God uses the flame of a bush to arrest Moses' attention to change his entire life. I like what Pastor Dr. Tony Evans says. He says, when God wants to show you a side of him that you've never seen before, he usually does it in the middle of a mess, a problem, or a circumstance. Let's have church this morning. When God wants to show you a side of himself, a side that you've never known before, God introduces himself. Not when it's sunny and bright outside, Brother Moses. God does not introduce himself all the time when you have all the money in the bank to fulfill the vision that you want to do. God does not introduce himself at the right time when your marriage is on a high and all is great. Sometimes God introduces himself to a version of himself that we've never known of him before in the middle of a mess, in the middle of a circumstance, and I like this right here, in the middle of discomfort. Have you ever met God in the midst of discomfort? Have you ever experienced a side of God in the midst of trouble? Have you ever seen a side of God or God revealed himself in a way that you've never known him to be in the midst of a mess? Have you ever had your own personal burning bush? Something that you see that you can't believe it, but it arrests your attention and it draws you in. Has your burning bush been a health crisis? Has your burning bush been financial troubles? Has your burning bush been your family? Has your burning bush been grief? Has your burning bush been relationships? Has your burning bush been your job? Has your burning bush been church? Has your burning bush been God? Have you ever found yourself in the midst of a mess, in the midst of a circumstance, in the midst of trouble, and you're trying to figure out, God, this makes absolutely no sense. And God's response is, you're absolutely right. And that's why I'm coming to meet you in the midst of this mess so that I can be able not just to make this thing make sense, but so that I can reveal to you a layer 
fear of me that you have never seen before and never known before and now I'm using this mess, I'm using this trouble, I'm using this discomfort to be able to expose you and to introduce you to me to a, one, to a version of myself that you've never seen before. And the question that I will ask God, Minister Lane, is couldn't you have used something else to get my attention? Could it have been that I'm on the beach in San Juan and you used the sand to get my attention? Could it be that I'm at, at St. Nick's at Southern Illinois Airport just sitting there eating and having a good time? Could you, couldn't you have used comfort to be able to get my attention. Yeah. And God's response is, nope. I've orchestrated your life, first of all, because I'm sovereign. I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and ain't got to get permission from nobody to do it because I'm God and God all by myself. And I'm using the discomfort and the trouble and the mess and the circumstance in your life because in comfort, you don't reach out to me. In comfort, you don't cry out to me. In comfort, you don't talk to me. In comfort, you don't worship me. In comfort, you don't pray to me. In comfort, you don't know me. In comfort, you don't recognize me. In comfort, you don't worship me. In comfort, you don't acknowledge me. But when I bring about pain and discomfort and circumstances that you don't like and cannot handle, then bingo, I got your attention. And God will allow for burning bushes to be able to happen in our lives personally. so that he can be able to reveal himself in a way that we never known him to be. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, God introduces himself to Moses as Jehovah, <laughs> the relational God. God introduces himself, University 101, hi Moses. I'm Jehovah, the relational God. Theologians say that the name of God, the name of God was so sacred and was so holy that when the scribes would read the scripture, they would skip over God's name because they didn't want to say his name in vain. There was so much, so much, so much reference of the holiness of God, they didn't want to mess up nothing. But God, uses the burning bush to introduce himself as Jehovah, the relational God. And I love it, saints of God, because in the midst of Moses' own insecurity and his doubts and his discomfort, God knows when to come to him and how to come to him. Y'all just missed y'all shot. I said, God knows how to come to him and when to come to him. He doesn't get there prematurely and he doesn't get there too late. 
He gets the right at the right time. Why? Because God has a mission that must be accomplished. God has a work that has to be done. And yes, he is God and God all by himself. And he can do it all by himself. He desires to use ordinary people like you and I to come apart and work aside of and be in partnership with God in fulfilling his plans and mission for the earth. He says, I have heard the cries and the groans of Israel. I see their mistreatment. I see life been life and the stuff is crazy for them. He says, I want to use you to go and to speak to Pharaoh and to tell him, let my people go. Moses looks at God. God looks back at Moses. Moses look at God again. God look back at Moses. He says, who? Me? Yes, you. He said, couldn't be. Yes, you. I want to use you. I want you to be a part of the plans and the purpose that I have. Your life and everything that you have experienced up until now has gotten you right to this place that I have orchestrated for this burning bush moment to meet you so, I can, so that you can be reminded that I have not forgotten about you. I love it because as Moses is getting ready to come closer to God and come closer to the burning bush, God gives him instructions and tells him, stay away. Step back, step back, step back, step back, step back, step back, step back. I'm, I'm holy. I'm holy. I'm, I, I need you to be able to reference that. And here it is, church. I'm, I'm nervous now. I'm scared now. I'm scared of this new modern-day church. I'm nervous now of this new church now where we want to be able to make everything a platform. We want everything to be viral. We want everything to be social and everything to be attractive. But we have lost our awe of God and our reverence for God. Where is the respect that we once had, not just for the house of God, but where's the reference that we once had for God? Tells Moses, I want you to stop right there. I want you to stop right there. Don't come any closer. Stay right there. But I want you to be able to take off your shoes as well because the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. And this is twofold because he tells him, take off your shoes because this is, this is holy ground. But I love it so because Moses goes on to talk about earlier how for the past 40 years he's felt like a foreigner in a strange land. And then the custom of the Jews during that time that when you would enter into somebody's home, you would take your shoes off. And that was a sign of showing that you were at home. God knows how to meet him. God knows when to meet him to let Moses know, I'm calling your name twice. I'm reaching out to you to let you know that I have not forgotten about you. And I want you to take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. But I want you to take your shoes off so that you can know that you're at home as well. I don't know about somebody, but... I feel like shouting right here because there have been moments in my life where I have felt insecure and not able and felt like I could not be used by God. But God knew when to show up. He didn't show up too late. He didn't show up too early. But he provided for me a burning bush experience to be able to get my attention and call my name to remind me that you are yet still mine and I have a plan and purpose for your life. Is there anybody else in here today that can testify? God has called my name not once but twice but three times. God has called my name to remind me that I am his and that I and that I am his and that he is mine. And here it is, saints. Look at the scripture. Because Moses does something. He makes a move 
that changes everything. And if he had not made this move, nothing would have happened. Can I challenge somebody this morning that while you keep saying that you're waiting on God, truth is, God's waiting on you. Okay, that's the wrong side. They mad at me this morning already. I just got up. Amen. I said, could it be the truth is that you, while you keep talking about, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to give me a sign. I'm just waiting for God to show up. I'm not going to move until he tell me to move. I'm not going to speak until he tell me to speak. I'm not saying nothing until El Shaddai give me what to say. Could it be that while you wait on God and stalling because you don't want to obey him, God is waiting on you to make a move. And what's that move, Pastor? The move is to turn aside. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3, y'all. I'm almost done. I'm not going to be here long this morning. He said, this is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. Moses' encounter with Jehovah, the relational God, was effective and powerful because Moses, just like when Jesus charged the disciples that if you want to come after me, you have to lay aside everything and come and follow after me. The, the, impact, the, the impact and the effectiveness of Moses' experience with the burning bush was because he made a decision to turn aside from everything else so that God could be able to have his undivided attention. I got to ask a question. I'm nervous to ask it. Are y'all going to be mad at me if I ask it? I got a question that I want to ask you. Y'all not going to be mad at me if I ask it, are you? Could it be that we don't know God in a relational way because we're so busy and we made everything else a priority above him? Could it be that we want God to be Jehovah, but we won't submit? Could it be that we want God to be relational with us, but we don't want no part of the relationship? Could it be, 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 could it be that we are not experiencing him as being Jehovah in our lives? The relational God is because we're so tied down with everything else and we haven't said it with our mouths, but with our actions, we have said through what we are doing and our schedules and our calendar that God, what I have on my agenda today is more valuable than being with you. Could it be that we've gotten so comfortable with him that the seek is no longer there? Sister Swims and I just celebrated 11 years of marriage on Friday. Praise the Lord. That's a good place to clap. Shoot. 11 years of dealing with my antics. 11 years of her dealing with every, uh, of me making everything churchy. I thought about it, that I can't allow myself to get comfortable in the duration of the time 
but I stopped seeking her. I got to make sure that in the duration of the years, 14 years of being together all, uh, to be, being together all along, I, I can't allow for the duration of the time to cause me to get so comfortable that I stop dating her. Because comfort will get there and stay there and I will lose, I will lose the reverence for what I have. I will lose the respect for what I have and take what I have for granted and think that she will always be there. And I ain't got to do what I used to do. I just can't. I, listen, I'm doing the basic thing. They got a roof over her head. She got clothes to eat. She got food to eat. She got all that different stuff. But it's more than just that. I have to continue to go after her as if it was the first time I saw the glory of God flow through her hair at the CCA basketball game. I have to seek after her just like it was when I saw her walk in with her grandparents at Ruby Tuesday. And I'm telling you, saints of God, the same way we have to seek in our natural relationships is the same way we have to go after God. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but our time with God has to increase. We gotta be like the scripture that says, I wanna be like a deer that panted after the water brook. I wanna be able to seek after God as if it's my last. I know he has shown me one layer of himself. I know he has revealed one area of himself, but there's still so much more. And I'm afraid that the church today has gotten comfortable with the blessings of God that we're forgetting to bless her. That we've lost reverence for who God is. Because we won't turn aside. When's the last time you had undistracted time with God? And the reason why we don't have undistracted time with God is because we are afraid of being with God alone in silence. Why, Reverend? I'm afraid of what he may say. I'm afraid of what he may challenge me to do. I'm afraid of what he may tell me I need to let go of. Moses' burning bush experience was effective and impactful because he turned aside. He was so amazed by the flame and the bush not going out that he said, I got to go see what this thing is all about. And that one move changed his entire life. One move, one decision can change your entire life. Thank you, sir. He's helping me preach this morning. What if it was one move, one decision that changed your entire bloodline? What if you were just one move, one decision away that could change your house? Moses turned aside and God changed his life and the life of Israel forever. What I love about it in the shout worthy how Jehovah knows 
how to meet us in our mess. God uses the burning bush to attract them. But once he gets there, he begins to deal with Moses. Moses turns aside as he turns aside as he turns aside he goes on he begins to talk he, he begins to commission him and tell him hey 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 I want to use you I want to use you I've heard the cries of my people it is harsh they have they have harsh slave drivers I want to use you to go down there to tell Pharaoh let my people go and this is what Moses replied to him he could not believe that God wanted to be able to use him and then in verse 11 he says but Moses protested to God who am I to appear before Pharaoh who am I to leave the people out of uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt he could not fathom the thought that God wants to use me to go and save an entire nation back and forth with God well if I go because that's what we do when God commissions us when God calls us when God gives us assignment we come along with all of our questions we say okay God before I even do whatever it is you want me to do I got a list of questions I need you to answer today by four o'clock before the end of business day before I sign the dotted line to do what you want me to do he says who am I to say who has sent me and he tells them I want you to tell them that I am who I am I am has sent you, sent me to you. Since God also told Moses, say to this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Why does God respond by saying, not a name, but tell them that I am? He says, I want you to tell them that I am. Because I am one that stands on my own. I am one that is all-powerful and all-knowing. He says, I am the one that there is no beginning or end to me. Yes, I am here, but no, I was, no one created me. I, I, I exist on my own. Everybody else may be dependent upon me for breath, may be dependent on me for everything else, but I am dependent on myself because I'm God. Because Moses could not make the mistake that by God using me to go and save Israel, this thing is not about me. But it's about I am becoming big in me to be used by him to go and save these people. It happens. He goes. Goes all the way to chapter 4. And he goes and he begins to share about why he cannot do what God has called for him to go to chapter 4, verse 10 and 12. Here's what he says. He says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, oh Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words tangle. The Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will instruct you as, as you speak. I will instruct you on what to say. Here it is, saints of God. God meets us in our insecurities to affirm his creation. Oh, 
man, I wish we got happy off of that. I said God meets us smack dab in our insecurities with our questions, with our concerns to affirm his creation. I love it that he is not bothered, he is not annoyed, he is not irritated with Moses' response. He realized and understands where he is and how he's feeling, and Moses is honest enough to be transparent with God and vulnerable with God as God begins to shape and to mold him into what he wants him to be to be able to fulfill the mission and plan that God has for his life, and he comes smack dab down in his insecurities. And he says, I know you stutter. I remember when you was a little boy and started, and started stuttering. I know that. So by you coming and tell me that you can't talk, my response to you is, who made your mouth? Who has the power to make you speak and to make you silent? In other words, God is confronting Moses and saying, wait a minute, sir. Did you forget I'm not just, I'm not just, I'm not just, I'm not just Jehovah, the relational God, but I'm also Jehovah Elohim, the creator of all things. And since I am the creator of all things, I created you and made you the way that you are, knowing the defects that you will have, but knowing also that in spite of that, I still have use of you to use you to be a part of the plans and the purpose. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning that you've been trying to talk yourself out of it and give God a laundry list of excuses of why he can't use you, God. I got a bad past, God. I done messed up, God. I done did this. And God says, I know all of that. I know the end for the beginning and the middle as well. I know what you did before you even did it. And what you were thinking about what you were going to do, I know it will lead you to the place that you are right now. But not only do I want you to know that I'm a relational God, I got to remind you that I am Jehovah Elohim, the creator of all things. I made your mind. I made your legs, I made your arms, and I made them to be used for my glory and for my honor. And yes, I know that you have messed up. Yes, I know that you got a bad past, but let me introduce you to grace. Let me introduce you to mercy that can change your life all the way around. And I can use you in spite of you because it's not about you. It's about my glory and my honor. And I'm sovereign and I will use whoever I want to use and never have to get approval from anybody else that's good news right there that what God wants to do in your life no one has to sign off on it nobody has to call sign on it he is God he is Jehovah Elohim the creator of all things so if you come with your list of excuses and God will remind you I made you I put you together I fashioned you before you was in your mother's womb. Before your parents came together in fellowship, I already knew you. I already fashioned you and molded you into what you would be. So your list of excuses mean absolutely nothing when you come in contact with Elohim. Your laundry list of what you have done and who you are means nothing when you come in contact with the creator of the universe. Here's a decision that you and I have to make today. Will we settle for just an introduction of who God is 
or will we go on the quest to know more about him? Will we just settle with knowing that he's Jehovah, a relational God that he can meet us in our, in our insecurities? Or will we continue on the quest to learn more about him? In other words, I won't be bothered by the personal burning bushes that God uses in my life to get my attention. That I won't ignore, I won't ignore what God is using and how God is using it to be able to get my attention. And that I realize if one encounter with Jehovah can change my life, what happens when I meet Jehovah Rapha, the healer? What happened when I meet Jehovah Adonai? What happens at, at each burning bush experience? I see something new about him that leads me on a quest to find out more. The choice is ours. Will I settle for just a mediocre relationship? Or will I go after more of who he is? He's a relational God that will meet you right where you are. Get this, not so that we can define in our finite minds who God is, but so that he can show up and reveal to us who he is. Will we settle for an introduction? Or will we go after, go on a quest? Because we know that there's more. Challenge you this, I'm challenging you this morning, challenging all of us this morning to go deeper in our relationship with God. Going to church is great. Don't hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Going to church is awesome, but it's more than just that. Because if your only experience with God is on Sundays, how are you surviving Monday through Saturday? How are you making it with just one day? That's like telling me swimmers, you can only eat one day a week. Help God. Not only do I eat three meals a day, but I'm snacking in between the meals. If you're basing it just off of Sunday, one day, you miss 
how God desires to reveal himself to you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We're missing it. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we got to be like Moses. We're going to have to turn aside and make time to be with God. Create time to be with Jehovah, the relational God, who's waiting to be with us. Because most things that we're telling our friends and that we're making posts on Facebook and throwing slight shade at other people, we need to come to Jehovah with. I say, God, I'm broken. God, I'm, I'm insecure. God, I don't know if I can do this. But after we've said what we have to say, he'll come right back like he did with Moses. Who made your mouth? Who opened up their mouths and painted the world as if he was an artist? I did. So surely if I can do that, I can work through you to do what I desire for you to do here on the earth. He longs to be with you. He longs to be with us. But I got to ask this question. It's going it's to hurt. But do we long to be with him? Are we cool with just coming to church and being a good church member? But no Christ-likeness or nothing in our lives or no personal intimacy with God. We come to church every day, all day. Nothing will suffice like having a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with him. Because your personal walk with God goes beyond church. Your personal walk with God comes in when you know that you got hell waiting for you at work on Monday. You say, God, you know. Ha! Father, Jehovah, all your names. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Deborah, all of them. Help me. And you experience God giving you a peace that surpasses all understanding when those jokers deserve to get cursed out and cursed out well, but he held your mouth. I, I ain't got no help in here today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I ain't encouraged before. Yeah, 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 yeah. He know you ever experienced God coming in and handling things and keeping things together that should have been chaos. He longs to be with us. But do we long to be with him? I want to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's in here right now, those that's watching online, God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a sincere and genuine relationship with you. God, there's yet still so much that we don't know about you, Father, that you already have burning bush experiences lined up, Father, for us to be able to come in contact with, with come in contact with a new version of yourself, Father God. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that we won't allow 
busyness, oh God, that we won't allow things that are non-essential, Father God, to stand in the way of the essential thing that we need and that's you. I pray now in the name of Jesus, oh God, for fresh encounters with you, Father God. I pray, Father God, that when we make a decision and plan to be with you, Father God, that you meet us in ways, oh God, that will be overwhelming, Father God, that you meet us in ways, oh God, that will blow our minds, oh God, that you meet us in ways, oh God, that we will be captured, Father God, not by what you can do for us, oh God, but captured about who you are and your character, oh God, in the name of Jesus, oh God. I pray for fathers, I pray for husbands, oh God, who will set the bar in their homes, oh God, that will leave their families in devotion, Father God. I pray for homes, oh God, that it will become a priority, oh God, just like sporting events and dance events, oh God, in the name of Jesus, oh God, that intimacy, oh God, in relationships, oh God, that your presence, oh God, will be in our homes, oh God, that your presence, oh God, will be over us. will be like Peter and the disciples that when others saw them they said they have been with God let it be that our countenance will be an indicator that we've been with you and I pray for the one that's insecure I pray for the one that's down and I pray for the one that's shaming themselves I pray for the one oh God that's down themselves I pray for the ones oh God that think they cannot be used by you God and that I pray oh God that they won't allow the guilt and the shame that the enemy wants to bring up and remind them about what they've done and what they said and how they responded God I thank you right now that they are not what they've done your word is just still true. If we confess our mouth to believe in our heart, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I thank you for grace. I thank you for mercy. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. It's decision time. If you're watching online right now and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is a day for you to get it right. Today is a day for you to make a decision that can change your entire life. If you are not saved, today can be your day of salvation. If you don't have a church home, we would love for you to be a part of our church family. If you desire prayer, email your prayer request to prayer team at hopewellmb.org. Prayer team is already ready to pray with you, pray for you, to believe God on your behalf. If you're in this room today one decision can change your entire life one move can change your entire life today if you are here and you're not saved today is your day of salvation today you know the Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart today can be the day that everything changes for you today can be the day that everything changes in your house today can be the day that everything changes in your bloodline today can be the day that God turns your entire life all the way around if that's you and you're in this room and you're not saved today can be your day of salvation if you need a church home we would love to be your church family if you desire prayer our preachers are down here right now and prayer team is down here right now ready to pray for you when i count the three we're going to clap like there's hundreds of people walking down that aisle one two three come 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 